0: Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, my one and only Falcons mock draft that I do. What's better than Rosario and Ozuna in left field? And too early to call Strider an ace. All of that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. The mock is here. The mock is here. The mock is here. So here's for our new listeners. I do a one-time-a-year mock draft for the Atlanta Falcons during the week of the draft. And the way that I do this is when I go through my mock and I pick every I pick every round, every pick that the Falcons have, number one, I don't do any trades, okay? It's ridiculous to try to trade in mock drafts. There's no way to know teams' interests and different things like that. And again, when, when you're starting to go into mocks, you know, The the whole concept is ridiculous in itself. But anyway, trading within a mock draft is ridiculous. Okay. You don't know what one team is thinking, let alone two or three teams. Okay. But when I mock in a draft, I pick based upon what I would do in the draft, not what I think the Falcons are going to do, not what I think Terry Fontenot is going to do, not what I think any general manager is going to do in regards. I'm not trying to mimic the picks for the Atlanta Falcons. What I'm trying to do is look at my roster and build a roster from there. Now, look, I'm not going to say that in the fourth round of the draft, Jalen Carter is going to be available, right? So we do this within some parameters based upon players that I think are going to be relative to the place where the Falcons draft. Okay, you got that? So I'm not picking something crazy. These are guys who should be available. Look, it's not a perfect science. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit sooner, a little bit later. But again, these are guys that should be in the range that the Falcons draft, but it's based upon what I want. Okay, ready? So here we go. Round number one, pick number eight. I take Miles Murphy, the edge out of Clemson. Look, this is a guy who can stop the run. He can get after the quarterback. He's got the size and physicality. Obviously, he's an Atlanta guy. I know we all want Georgia players, but you want a kid from Georgia as well? Look, I think Murphy might be the second best edge player in the draft next to Will Anderson, and that can be up for debate. I get all of that. But I want a guy who gets off the edge and goes after the quarterback. But he can also help against the run. He's very versatile. He can play in lots of schemes. He's a great athlete. There's nothing I don't like about Miles Murphy, okay? I think his production in college was really good. I'm all on board with Miles Murphy. When I look at the edge players, I love Will Anderson, but when I look at the Tyree Wilsons and the Lucas Van Nesss and different people like that, even Nolan Smith do a degree. And I would not be ha- I would not be upset if they drafted any of those guys. I just want my edge player number one in the draft. First pick in the draft at number eight, I want my edge player. I take Miles Murphy at number eight. Round number two, pick number 44, Cam Smith, the cornerback out of South Carolina. So, look, I know a lot of people think, and my gut tells me that the Falcons will take corner at number eight, but I think the cornerback position is a deep position. Cam is a ball hawk kind of guy. He plays the ball really well. He's got the size. And and he and he definitely has good football instincts, one of those high football IQ kinds of guys. When he's out there covering guys, so Cam Smith is my choice at pick number forty-four in the second round, cornerback out of South Carolina. Pick number uh, seventy-five, round number three. I take Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, had a better year in twenty twenty-one. Then he did in 2022 because of injuries. And Jalen Hyatt went off, <clears throat> excuse me, last year as the Bolitnikoff winner. But when you talk about a guy who's got the size, speed, strength, and the catch radius, you want to throw a ball up to Cedric Tillman? He can go get it. He's got great ball skills. And when we're talking about wide receiver, we look at these guys that are third, fourth, fifth rounders, the Tyreek Hills, the Stephon Diggs, the Cooper Cup's. There's a lot of value at wide receiver without having to spend first or second round capital. Now, look, Julio's a different animal, but there aren't Julios in the draft every year. So I like Tillman. I like what he brings. And if he's healthy and ready to get back at it, he can be a very, very good weapon, a guy that has a big catch radius that you can throw the ball up to. <clears throat> round number four. Pick number 110, Braden Daniels, the tackle-slash-guard from Utah. I like his physicality. I like his athleticism. He can play a little bit of inside-outside. He certainly profiles more as a guard in the NFL. So, again, we're looking at solidifying somewhere in the interior of our offensive line. We're looking to upgrade at the position because, again, I've said on the podcast, I don't think that there are a lot of great options at left guard that are in-house. Jalen Mayfield, Matt Hennessy, you know, uh, Hinton. I, like, there's just not a lot of great options. I'm not saying Brayton Daniels solves your issues, and I'm not saying that he's a starter from day one, but if I can get him to develop, maybe he becomes a rotational piece, maybe he becomes a starter, and maybe, again, at some point, if you decide... If Daniels is a guy that can handle the outside responsibilities, maybe if you decide to move on from a Kayla McGarry or something like that. Again, it's a lot of projecting, but when you're talking about fourth round picks, that's what this is. Round number four, pick number 113. So three spots after the Falcons pick at number 110 with Brayden Daniels, I take KJ Henry, edge player out of Clemson. You want Miles Murphy's running mate? Here's KJ Henry again. Let's all say it together, okay? Let's all say it together. You can't have too many guys that sack the quarterback. One more time with emphasis. You can't have too many guys that sack the quarterback. A lot of athleticism out there. Probably not an elite type of pass rusher. But again, D'Angelo Malone and some of these guys, if you can get them to develop and be rotational guys, that can give you a handful of sacks. They may not be a guy like KJ Henry, may not be six, eight, 10 sacks. But if he's three, four sacks, again, I'm trying to get to 40, right? That's my baseline is here's 40 sacks. I'm a playoff defense if I get to 40 sacks. So that's my thought with uh, KJ Henry. Then we go to round number seven. Pick number 224. I take, ready, steady. Stetson Bennett, the quarterback out of the University of Georgia. Look, this is not a high capital pick. There is no risk in a pick like this with a seventh round pick. And Stetson's either going to fall fifth, sixth, seventh, or not get drafted at all. I mean, there's it's 50-50 on. He's drafted. He's not drafted. Some websites think that he's going to be drafted. Some think that he's not. If I can get a Stetson Bennett, and look, does he have all the flaws and the warts and the issues? Sure. He's a seventh-round quarterback, though. But here's what I love about Stetson Bennett, okay? The kid's a winner. I love this about Desmond Ritter. I love this about Stetson Bennett. They're winners. When they had an opportunity to make plays and guide their team and be the leader of their team, what they did is went out and won. Won. That's what they did, and that's guess what that is? That's the most important trait that you can't teach a quarterback. You can't teach, you can teach even some accuracy. You can build up a guy's arm strength. You can get him, you know, a higher football game, but you can't teach the ability, the innate ability in how to win. And if you are a guy that figures out a way to win, you're in good shape. Final pick, round number seven, pick number 225. So one pick after Stetson Bennett, Isaiah Moore, the inside linebacker out of NC State. Three-year team captain, so you know again in the Thomas Dimitrov era, we love those team captains. Three-year team captain, he's not—he's not a guy that is is fast running sideline to sideline, but he makes every play. He has a high football IQ. I think he's kind of a sleeper pick if you can get him late in the seventh round and he can develop into something. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be a four, five, six sack guy, but he can—he can be a tackling machine for this team. So here's a recap. Miles Murphy, pick number uh, eight in round number one, edge out of Clemson. Round two, pick 44, Cam Smith out of South Carolina, the cornerback. Round number three, pick 75, Cedric Tillman, wide receiver out of Tennessee. Round number four, pick 110, Braden Daniels, tackle slash guard out of Utah. Round number four, pick 113, K.J. Henry, edge player out of Clemson. Round number seven, pick 224, Stetson Bennett from University of Georgia, Round number seven, pick number 225, Isaiah Moore, the inside linebacker out of NC State. Voila, here we go, Super Bowl, right? We're ready to win the Super Bowl if we follow my draft. Anyway, all right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And if you're a new player to FanDuel, it's a great time to sign up. Where if you sign up at fanDuel.com today, New customers can claim their no sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So fanduelcom slash locked on is the place to go. fanduelcom slash locked on is the place to be where you can get your $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now look, in Major League Baseball, you can bet on everything from prop bets, who's gonna win, how many homers is Aaron Judge gonna hit, what have you and everything in between. So don't miss out on the action. Claim your no sweat first bet for a chance at $1,000 in bonus bets. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Sign up today. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. So here's the question that I have very easily, okay? Who's better than Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario in left field, oh 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 I have the answer okay you know what the answer is everybody everybody's better in left field okay now look we know that Marcelo Zuna has struggled mightily and we know that he's basically become a one-trick pony he's got four hits on the season half of those are home runs and one is a double so he's four for 55. This season, four runs scored, a double, two homers, two runs driven in, eight walks, 18 strikeouts, hitting 73 with a 190 on-base, 200 slugging. Now, Eddie Rosario ain't a whole lot better. I know Eddie Rosario homered last night, right? Okay? But Eddie Rosario has struggled a lot as well this early in the season. He is 12 for 62. He's hitting a buck 94 with a 219 on base percentage, 339 slugging. So you have an OPS of Eddie Rosario at 57 and an OPS of Marcelo Zuna at 390. That is who's better enough than either of those guys? Everybody. Now, the guy I really like that has been a really nice addition Sam Hilliard. And right now, your best outfield would be Ronnie and right, Michael Harrison center, and believe it or not, Sam Hilliard in left. Sam Hilliard's got four doubles, three homers, five driven in. He's hit 333, 412 on base percentage. He's got six walks in only 51 plate appearances, and he scored 10 runs. And right now, the combination for him of offense and defense is better than Rosario, Ozuna, what have you. Now, we saw last week Madison Bumgarner got cut or DFA'd from the Arizona Diamondbacks, owing him more than $35 million. How long does this become before we see Ozuna be DFA'd? Because, again, they've got $37 million tied up into him. So I, I can't say it's too soon. Brother, we're about to be in May. Next week is May. Okay, how much longer does this experiment have to go? Even Eddie Rosario, can, can we get past the point of, okay, his eye was bad, his sight was bad, or things like that? Okay, so he said, he himself said, oh, yeah, I'm 100% better, and I can see, and blah, 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 blah. Okay, he's in a buck 94. Again, that experiment isn't working. I mean, look, the Braves caught lightning in a bottle. We got to acknowledge Solaire, Rosario, guys like that, even Ozuna to a degree. They caught lightning in a bottle. Sometimes lightning doesn't happen in the same place twice, right? So at some point, you have to play your best guys, not because of payroll, not because of loyalty. You have to play best guys. And right now, believe it or not, Sam Hilliard is your best guy in left field. He's the best guy that they've got right now. Now, look, you no, know, until Michael Harris is back, he's having to play some center field, right? But once you get Michael Harris back, unless you trade for, you know, Aaron Judge or something, it should be Ronnie and right, Harris in center, and Sam Hilliard and left. Now, I don't know if anybody had that on their bingo card coming into this year. Nobody probably looked at Sam Hilliard as a guy who's going to produce. But even if you only catch lightning in a bottle with Sam Hilliard, okay, just like you did with Rosario, just like you did with Solaire, just like you did with Azuna, if you just catch that brief lightning in a bottle, that's still better than anything that Ozuna or Rosario are giving this team. They're not giving them anything. And the, I don't care if you split them. I don't care if you hit Rosario against righties. I don't care if you hit Azuna against lefties. They're not getting anything done. The production isn't there at some point. It just has to be again, Susan powder was the, was the person who said, what stop the madness. Okay. Stop the madness. Play Sam Hilliard. You don't have really better options, but when Michael Harris does come back and he gets in the starting lineup, we know two of those three outfield spots. We know two of the guys who should be out there every day. And until the Braves upgrade, make a trade, call up a a hot prospect, whatever it is. There's not much reason to play Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna and have those guys at left or any sort of a semblance of that, right? I mean, a lot of people have talked about the fact that Ozuna has played a lot more left field than any of us thought. Maybe that's a way to make him look like, okay, he can be on the open market. Somebody could trade for him. He can still play some left field. (laughs) Uh, That's not happening too good. That's not happening too much. So again, play Sam Hilliard. I've seen, I'll be honest with you. I've seen enough out of Marcelo Zuna that he should be DFA'd. And I've seen enough out of Eddie Rosario that if you just want to make him a pinch hitter coming off the bench where he's got a little bit of pop, okay? Pinch hit against the right-handed pitcher. Okay, fine. Or a spot start here or there, right? Again, you know, Sam Hilliard needs a day off. Cool. Eddie Rosario. We'll trot him out for a, a game or two out in left field. But otherwise, neither one of these guys inspires me. And this was one of the weaknesses for the Braves coming into this season. So left field was going to be probably a problem if you didn't get Ozuna Rosario to pick up the steam and pick up where they were a couple few years ago. And now it's kind of coming home to roost that left field is becoming a problem again for the Braves. But at least Capture lightning in a bottle with Sam Hilliard. I don't know what he progresses or, or projects to long term, but play him every day in the short term and get every drop of that juice out of that lemon. All right, we well, thank you so much for making hit and hard with John Chucky, your first listen. And make sure that when you listen into the podcast, that you leave us a comment in the comment section of YouTube or what have you and tell us that you're an everyday listener. So Make sure you recognize, or sorry, we make sure that we know who our our everyday listeners are. So it's called our everydayers. So be a part of our community. Always subscribe and also listen in every day to us. So is it too early to call Spencer Strider uh, an ace or what have you? Look, here's the 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 numbers right now for Strider: one and zero, uh, sorry, three and zero, one point eight ERA. He's got five starts. 30 innings, leads baseball in strikeouts with 49. He's also leading the majors in strikeouts per nine innings with 14.7. Pitched a gem last night where he took no hitter into the eighth inning, only to be spoiled by Gene Segura, but still finished with eight innings, two hits, no runs, and I think it was 13 strikeouts when all of a sudden that, oh, and no walks. Right now for the season, he's got a 4.45 strikeout-to-walk ratio. His 49 strikeouts, like I said, lead Major League Baseball with only 11 walks. He's only given up 14 hits in 31 innings, and he's also only given up six earned runs on the season. Now, obviously, with last year, with the 202 strikeouts in his rookie season, turned a lot of heads, finished second in rookie of the year voting, could very easily have won it. it. It was a coin flip. At that point, we're between Michael Harris and Spencer Strider for the rookie of the year. Is it too early to call him an ace? Because right now, he is far and away the Braves' best pitcher. Listen, not taking it away from Bryce Elder. Bryce Elder has been outstanding for this club. Bryce Elder is the best surprise of the season for the Atlanta Braves. He's been their biggest surprise. Maybe more than Sam Hilliard. He's been their biggest surprise because he's really solidified the back of that rotation. but. Strider's their ace right now. And there's no reason that he is going to slow down, change up, do anything. Strider, for his career, in in the three seasons that he's played, only played um, in two games in his rookie year, very first year, should say 2021. Then he had his full rookie year where he made 20 starts. And then he's made five starts this year. He has averaged for his career 13.8 strikeouts. For nine innings. Now let's go way back in time, okay? Way back in time, right? To a couple of few months ago, right? And I brought up the idea that I think it was very possible that Spencer Strider was going to break John Smoltz's modern-day record of the 276 strikeouts that he had in 1996. Not talking about the franchise records from a standpoint of all these 19th-century players, Smoltz's got the record in modern-day baseball and. How about like this, 20th century and beyond. He's got the record with the 276 in 1996. I think Strider can beat that number. I think if Strider gets himself 30, 33 starts, he'll be pushing toward 300 strikeouts. But he's not just a guy that strikes out a lot of people. You know, J.R. Richard struck out a lot of people. Problem is he'd have 123 walks. And even pitching in the Astrodome, which was literally one of the best pitchers parks in the entire history of baseball. That was one of the hardest places to hit, but he still gave up hits and runs as ERA, you know, was still in the threes, three and a halfs, and things like that. And he'd strike out 330 guys, but he would walk a crap ton, put too many guys on base, give up too many runs. That's not where Strider is at right now. He's not just from a pitching standpoint. He's not just a one trick pony when it comes to how he pitches. He is a guy that goes in there, rears back, and fires. And not only can you not hit it, but he doesn't allow base runners. He doesn't get himself too wild. Only 11 walks in 30-some innings, four-and-a-half strikeouts, uh, to uh, four-and-a-half strikeouts, strikeout-to-walk ratio. All of these little ancillary things are also things that are going on with Strider, which makes him so difficult. Even only the one home run last year, he only had seven homers. That's a really low total. You figure the the fact that he's only given up nine homers in 164 innings pitched tells you how little contact guys really make against him tells you how many guys really get good contact on Spencer Strider. So it's not that he's just a one-trick pony. He's out there rearing back, firing, doing his thing, right, getting lots of strikeouts and things like that. But he's developing himself into a really good pitcher. He's developing himself into a guy that is becoming a complete pitcher. And in just a short amount of time, remember, Strider was drafted in 2020. Three years ago, he's at Clemson University pitching, right? That's how crazy this whole thing is. And he's come up through the system, and all he's done is dominate. And now he's up at the Major League Club, and all he's doing is dominating again. So we certainly love all the strikeouts and all the things that Spencer Strider brings to it. But that's that's not just being an ace when we talk about a guy who strikes out lots of guys. Okay, Striking guys out, thats that's a skill that a lot of pitchers have. But now he's becoming a complete pitcher. He's not giving up the walks. He's not giving up the hits. He's certainly not giving up the home runs. He's, he's not putting himself in a bad position where he gets too many guys on base and doesn't know what to do with them. You know, that a lot of these guys that strike out lots of people, the Nolan Ryans, the J.R. Richards, they walked a lot of guys. They allowed a lot of base runners. They allowed lots of hits. But Strider is not like that. He's a guy that is direct, quick, to the point. Get a guy out, don't put guys on, don't let guys linger, none of that stuff. So is it too early to call Spencer Strider an ace? Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you what, almost anybody in Major League Baseball would love to have him at the top of the rotation. Maybe he's not an ace just because of his experience, but certainly he is the Braves' best pitcher right now. And I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon. Think Max Free's the best left-hander in baseball, no doubt about it. But Strider is a cut above, and he's a guy that looks like he is going to be one of the more dominant pitchers in Major League Baseball. A guy that really is able to command everything and and be a complete pitcher at the end of the day. All right, well, thank you so much for making hitting Hard with John Shukri your first listen. Make sure that when you listen in, you head to one of our comment sections on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast, and leave us a comment that you are an everyday listener. We really appreciate our everydayers, as we like to call them. So thank you so much for listening in every single day. Don't miss an episode of hitting Hard with John Shukri. And you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get all of your favorite podcasts from you can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And then leave me a, uh, or sorry, give me a follow, I should say, on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chukri, Locked on Sports Atlanta.